Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to one spot this week, and I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We are continuing our series entitled Needy by Design. How many of you are doing a good job with the homework I gave you? Just put your hand up, okay? If you're not doing a good job with your homework, I pray you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. Here's why. I'm not just asking you to do this just to do it. If I didn't believe this was really a gift from God to you to help strengthen you, help build you up, help you get healthier, I wouldn't ask you to do it. So please, if you weren't here two weeks ago when we started the series, go back and listen to the message. And I'm asking you, be in church every week during this series. And if you miss one because of sickness or vacation or work, please go back and listen to it because I I, I just sense the burden for this entire series. We all need this series, all right? And, and we talked about two weeks ago as we started the series that God created us all with needs. And now we're going into the six major areas. Remember I shared with you that basically your whole life comes down to six major areas. And, and in the next six weeks of this series, we're going to cover each of those areas. And the Lord kind of helped me understand how to teach this in a way where we can all kind of understand the significance of what we're talking about. And he he did so with construction terms. Now, when we talk about needs, we all have needs that are common to all of us. In other words, they're needs that God created each of us to have, and they're the same. But then there are unique individual needs where my needs are a little different than yours and your needs are a little bit different than mine. And, And the way the Lord helped me understand this so that I could teach it was construction terms, pillars and pylons. Pillars and pylons. Pillars represent the needs that God has given all of us that are similar, that they're the same for all of us. Pylons, the thing under, would be the things that are unique to you, unique to me. So the homework you're doing is going through, you're answering the question, what do I need in these six areas of my life every seven days of my life? And if you didn't get one of those sheets for homework, just talk to one of the staff, we'll get you one tonight. Uh, But you're answering that question. So you're answering the pylon question, but what we're going to be talking about in this series as we walk through each area are the pillars, all right? And this weekend, we're talking about the pillar that permeates, the pillars uh, that permeate to every other area of your life. We're talking about the area called the spiritual area of your life. That one area touches all of the other areas of your life. So these pillars are more important than all other pillars, all right? And if you look in Hebrews chapter 10, you're gonna see, and you'll actually see the four points of this message, but you're gonna see them in reverse, all right? Because Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, all the way to verse 25, shows us some of the spiritual pillars God created us to build our lives around and upon. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God 
with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our, our bodies have been washed with pure water. All of that is point number four. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. That's point number three. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's point number two. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And that's point number one. So if you're taking notes, just go ahead and write down point number one. Every seven days of your life, you were created to worship in the house of the Lord. This begins a fairly convicting message for all of us. All right, I'm just telling you in advance. I didn't write this one up. I did my best just to keep up this week as he was giving this. I was just writing it as fast as I could, all right? But I'm telling you, this is going to be convicting for all of us, all right? Every seven days of our life, we were created to worship in the house of the Lord. Remember, when we started this series, I talked to you about the difference between a calendar and a cadence, that we look at our life calendars, but God created us to live according to a cadence. But here's part of the problem. When we talk about worshiping in the house of the Lord, when we talk about coming to church, there's a little bit of a problem. It's called inconsistency. And maybe you've heard this, maybe you've even used this before, but many people, this is how they decide whether or not they go to church this weekend. They look at their calendar, and if there was too much on their calendar, they have a phrase as a family that really just serves as an excuse not to worship in the house of the Lord. And this is the excuse. We're going to stay home this weekend and catch up. We're not going to go worship in the house of the Lord this weekend because we had too much on our calendar. So we're going to stay home and catch up. Here's the problem. Anything God created you to need and experience every seven days of your life, when you cut it off your calendar, it's not going to help you catch up it's actually helping you fall down. I remember when I started in ministry almost 20 years ago. It was kind of just a given. We go to church every week. That's how I grew up. We go to church every week. And, and when I would sit down and, and minister to someone for counseling, it was just kind of a given. I didn't need to ask, well, do you regularly attend church? And so I, I would just, well, what are we here to, to talk about? Well, now, nearly 20 years later, I, I actually have to kind of start most counseling appointments with, do you regularly attend church? Because if you feel weak and wobbly, it may not have anything to do with what you came to talk about. It may just be because you come to church one out of every five weeks. The stat used to be that the average church attender came to church 1.5 out of every four weekends. All right? That was the statistic several years ago. The most recent statistic says that the average church attender comes to church one out of every six weekends. One out of every six weekends. Now think about this for a second. Because coming to church one out of every six weekends might convince you you're a Christian, 
but it does not automatically put you in the category of Christ follower. And here's how you know. Because Christ followers follow Christ's cadence. Let me show it to you in scripture. Luke chapter four, verse 16. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, which is another way for saying as he constantly did, He consistently did what we're about to talk about. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Mark chapter one, verse 21 says, then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. Luke chapter six, verse six. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. Jesus worshiped in the house of the Lord on a weekly basis. Hey, remember, Christ followers follow Christ's cadence. Let's take a look at Paul and Silas. And I could show you many others, many others in the New Testament who followed this cadence that was Christ. Let's just look at Paul and Silas, one of the best ministry tandems in the New Testament. Acts chapter 17, verse 1, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue, as was Paul's custom. Isn't it interesting that Scripture uses the exact same phrase to describe Paul's cadence or rhythm of worshiping in the house of the Lord as it used for Jesus. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the Scriptures to reason with the people. Okay, Here's a strong statement, but I want you to hear this. If you decide when you go to church, that's not following Christ, that's fooling yourself. If you decide when you go to church, when you were created to worship on a weekly basis in the house of the Lord, that's not following Christ to the house of the Lord, that's staying at home and fooling yourself. If you have your Bible, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 12. While you're turning there, this is an important passage to me because the Lord gave me this passage the year before we started this church, and this was when he gave me this passage when he told me where we would originally meet in the Performing Arts Center downtown, which I never would have picked. Uh, but while you're turning there, let me, let me just give you another uh, one-liner to kind of help you understand the significance. It is difficult. Let's just use me as an example. It is difficult for me to make the case that I love God with all of my heart if God calls a weekly family meeting at his house and I occasionally attend. Remember, we're just using me. I'm not talking about you. Your heart might be racing like a... I am talking to you, I'm not. That's just the Holy Spirit. It is difficult for me to make the case that I love God with all of my heart if he calls a weekly family meeting and I occasionally attend. Deuteronomy chapter 12, I'm gonna read a dozen verses because this is a pretty important passage. and It's helpful in the day in which we live, where really church attendance is, uh, it, it's if you feel like it, kind of what it's come for many people to. 
Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1, do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among all the tribes, the place where his name will be honored. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. There, you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God. This is an important verse to our church. If you wonder why I read so many verses of scripture every time I preach, if you wonder why I don't, I don't just talk about magazines and, and funny stuff, I'm preaching the word, here's why. Because scripture says that you're to come into the house of the Lord and feast in the Lord's presence. Your job is to come in and feast during the message. My job is to come in and feed during the message. That's why it's so serious for us. And you will will rejoice in all you've accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. Your pattern of worship will change. Watch this next part. Today, all of you are doing as you please. Here's what that's talking about. Everybody was just worshiping where they wanted, when they wanted. Today, all of you are doing as you please, because you've not yet arrived at the place of rest, the land the Lord your God has given you as as your special possession. But you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God is giving you. When he gives you rest from all your enemies and you're living safely in the land, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, and your offerings to fulfill a vow. Watch this next part. To the designated place of worship the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with your sons, your daughters, and all of your servants. This is about to be a really strong statement. I'll explain it after I say it. Inconsistent corporate worship and wandering in the wilderness go hand in hand. Preston, are you threatening me? Are you telling me if I don't come to church every week of my life that I'm just going to be wandering in the wilderness here on the earth? I'm not telling you that because I don't have any control over that. I'm telling you what we just read. Inconsistent corporate worship and wandering in the wilderness go hand in hand. That's a threat, Preston. No, it's not. I can prove it. Is it a threat if I tell you? You better drink something this week because if you go seven days without drinking some water, you're going to get dehydrated. And if you string enough of those weeks back to back to back, you're going to die. Is that a threat? No, that's a loving heads up. It's not a threat. It's not threatening you. Whatever you do most consistently is most important to you. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, he's just trying to get attendance up. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Incidentally, that's not my job. When the Lord told me that we needed to do this whole project, here's what he said, give me more space. He didn't say, bring me a couple thousand new people. He said, give me more room. My job's to obey. His job is to move on the hearts. I'm not concerned with how many people come to church here. I am concerned 
that you are in church here if you call this your church home. I'm not going to have to stand before the Lord and, and answer for your attendance in church. I'm not going to have to. What I am going to have to stand before the Lord and answer for is what you do while you're here. My job is to make sure that when you come here, he is here and we do whatever he says. That's my job. Think about this for a second. Because maybe you're here and you feel a little wobbly, you feel a little weak, you feel a little beat down. You just don't feel much strength. Well, there may be a reason. Scripture says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you feel weak, if you feel beat down, you don't feel strong, it may just be because you're double-minded. And let me show you a pretty fair example of double-mindedness. I go to church. I don't go to church. I don't go to church. I go to church. I don't go to church. I don't go to church. I don't go to church. I go to church. I don't go to church, don't go to church, go to church. I'm dizzy just trying it. That's what double-minded looks like. I go, I don't go. I'm not talking about vacations. I'm not talking about being sick or one of the kids being sick. I'm talking about when we stay home from worshiping in the house of the Lord just because we're tired. Yeah, that's right. That's why I got to go. Because I was created to get strength from worshiping weekly in the house of the Lord. Here's point number two. Second spiritual pillar, our lives were meant to be built upon and around. Serve in the house of the Lord. Not just worship there, but serve in the house of the Lord. Ephesians chapter four really clears up a misconception that most believers have about how things get done at the church as the body of Christ. Many believe that it is the paid staff's job to do the work of the church, but you will not find that anywhere in scripture. That is not the job of the paid staff of this church, to do the work of the church. Well, President, are you saying that the paid staff of this church doesn't do the work of the church? No, they do. They just do it as believers, not as paid staff. I'll show you what our responsibility is as pastors in the house of the Lord. Let me show you, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Incidentally, It's impossible to say I am mature in my faith if I'm not serving in his house. That's what we just read right there. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
Okay. Now remember, I, I'm not trying, I am not doing this right here. I'm serving something up. This is between you and the Lord, not between you and me. All right? Okay. Have you ever heard when, when maybe in a different church, maybe in this church, where when we talk about serving in the church, you hear someone say, well, I serve elsewhere. I, I serve uh, at my children's school. I serve at the shelter. I serve at work. All of those things are good, but none of them exempt us from doing what God created us to do in the house of the Lord. Those are all great things, but none of them Not one of them does God look at and go, you're exempt. No, you were created to serve in the house of the Lord. Not just because we need you, but you need us. Something happens when you serve. Now think about this, this whole I serve elsewhere idea. What if you were sitting down as a family and you were trying to explain to one of your children what their responsibilities in your house are? And you said, here are my responsibilities, and, and here are mom's responsibilities, and here are your sister's responsibilities, and here are your brother's responsibilities, and here are your responsibilities. And your youngest child looked you in the face and everyone else in your family and said, listen, I love how you all do what you do here. I love benefiting and receiving from all of your hard work and service. But the thing is, I serve elsewhere. I can't serve here because I serve elsewhere. As a parent, can I just ask you what would be going on in your heart and what would be coming out of your mouth? Listen, I wonder if that's how God feels when one of his children looks him in the eyes and says, I can't serve in your house because I serve elsewhere. Here's another way to say it in the form of a one-liner, genuine fellowship with God always results in partnership with God through service unto God. Genuine fellowship with God always results in partnership with God through service unto God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 in the message says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another. This is speaking to believers. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. We have uh, someone here, and I won't use their name because I know they wouldn't want any attention drawn to themselves. We have someone here who is a very uh, successful executive, high-level executive at one of the most successful organizations in this valley. And uh, they and their spouse, nearly every service where they're in church, serve in Guest Central. What what would happen if someone, uh, a young lady who just started working at that organization, who saw all of the people in the C-suite who kind of run everything and notice that this person was one of them. But then this young lady comes to our church to just try it out. Didn't even know the executive serves here. And after the service goes out, just like Pastor Brad said, to Guest Central and meets this executive. And, and, and the young lady says, but wait, doesn't everyone know who you are here? I, I mean, where we work, everyone does whatever you say. Why are you here serving me? And here's what I think 
this executive would say. Oh, that answer is very, very simple. I love Jesus. And Jesus let me know he loves you. And because I love him, I love whatever he loves. And because he loves you, I lay that title down, I lay all of that down, and I come here to love on my God by serving him as I serve you. The other side of the coin, think of it this way. Ever ever heard someone say about this church or another one, I really love this church. Man, I love this church. I love the worship, I love the word, I love the people. I love this church, okay? Well, let's see. Love gives more than it takes. So let's ask the question. Do you really love his church? Or do you, do you just kind of like it when it fits in your calendar? Love gives more than it takes. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers. You want to show you love God? There we go. One of the ways. God will not forget how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Here's point number three. Spiritual pillar number three. Build yourself up in the Lord. Build yourself up in the Lord. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened or built himself up in the Lord his God. Okay, in this point, we're talking about weekly being in the word of God. You were created to need the word of God every week of your life. Well, Preston, according to what we just read, uh, that doesn't mention anything about the word of God. It says David built himself up. It, he strengthened himself, but it doesn't say anything about the word of God. Okay, good point. You're really, really smart. Here's what I'd say. What is the longest chapter of the Bible? Psalm 119, right? What is the subject of the longest chapter of the Bible? The Word of God, right? And who is believed to be the writer of the longest chapter in the Bible? It's believed to be David. He actually doesn't put his name on it, but it's believed to be David. David. Think about this. I just wonder if when the Holy Spirit was inspiring David, if it was David, to write Psalm 119, I wonder if it went like this. After about 40 or 50 verses, I wonder if the Holy Spirit didn't say, next chapter. I know that David would have done it if, if it really happened. You know, I'm just kind of playing a little bit. But after about 60 verses on the word, I just wonder if God was like, hey, uh, let's start another chapter. And I wonder if David was like, well, no, 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 no. Listen, there are going to be some people who search scripture for the longest chapter and they just want to know what it's about because whatever it's about, they're going to make important in their life and they all have to know they can't live without your word. 
So I'm going to make it the longest chapter. Because they can't live without it. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace, speaking of the word of God, that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Think about this for a minute. The opposite of built up is torn down. You ever felt torn down? Ever felt weak and wobbly? Sure, we all have. You want to know why it's so important that what we use to build us up is the word of God rather than anything else. Let me show you why it's so important. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. If you feel weak and wobbly, it may just be because it's been weeks since you've been in his word. Just get back into it. Open it up. Breathe. That's what you were created to do. Breathe it in. And then walk around your workplace just going. Walk around your house with the teenager who's trying to run. You were created to build your life upon the word of God. Jesus makes this very clear in Matthew chapter 4. Remember, he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Matthew chapter 4 verse 3 says, During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then we know the devil comes back again. And Jesus says, it is also written. And then the third time, Jesus says, scripture says. Every time the devil tried to come and tempt Jesus, he responded with the word of the Lord. I wonder if the reason many Christians are losing in their battle with the enemy is because their Bible is a book kept in their house, not a word hid in their heart or a sword held in their hand. I wonder. Maybe you beat yourself up so much, I'm just weak, I'm weak. Maybe it's just been a little too long since you got your strength from the word of God, hid it in your heart and grabbed it like the sword that it was created to be in your life. It's a pillar. My life was meant to be built around and upon. And you were created for it too. Here's point number four. The fourth spiritual pillar, and these are not all the spiritual pillars, of course, but these are four of the most important. Point number four, dwell in the secret place with the Lord. Dwell in the secret place with the Lord. One of the ways you know you're created for the secret place with the God of the universe, the Bible says you were created there. You weren't just created for there, you were also created there. Psalm 139 verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth. God created you to dwell in the secret place with him and to make sure you knew it. He created you in the secret place. Where it started, he wants you to remain in the secret place. And when we follow, if, if it is true, and we know it is that followers of Christ, Christ's followers, follow Christ's cadence, then when we read through the Gospels and we see the rhythm of Jesus, we constantly and consistently see Jesus stealing away, slipping away to be in the secret place with the Father. Let me just show you a couple of instances. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. I won't read the rest. I'll read it through John 18 in a minute so you can see why that's so important. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Mark 1.35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. John chapter 6, verse 15, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. John 18, verse 1 and 2. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. Judas knew Jesus was going to be in the garden that night because Jesus consistently went there to be in the secret place with his father. This was a part of the Son of God's Daily and weekly rhythm. What makes me think that I'm going to be a strong follower of Christ if I refuse to follow his cadence? And his cadence consistently took him to the secret place to be alone with his father. Think about this. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Daniel. The king at that time instituted a decree a law. He said, over the next 30 days, if anyone worships or prays to anyone or anything other than me, they'll be thrown into the den of lions. And I want you to see what happens in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual. Some translations say, as was his custom. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. His life was being threatened. If you go have that quiet time, if you go steal away upstairs into the secret place with your God, we're going to throw you into the den of lions and you're going to die. Here's the statement I believe Daniel was making. Daniel wasn't saying, sorry guys, this is what I always do. His life was being threatened. I believe the statement Daniel made when he climbed up those stairs and knelt on his knees was, listen, I can't live without this. So if you're going to make me not do it and I'm going to die, I might as well do it because if I don't do it, I'm going to die without it. I'm going up to pray. I've got to be alone with my God. I can't live without this. The big question is, what does it look like? 
to dwell in the secret place with the God of the universe. I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. And then I'll show you in Matthew chapter 6 what it does look like. Dwelling in the secret place with the God of the universe does not look like this. Robotically religious praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When I, when I memorize scripture and I repeat it, I, I get that voice. You know, you may do too. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, I skipped to the last part, just so you know. On earth as it is in heaven. Okay, think about this for a sec. Right before Jesus gives this prayer and says, when you pray, pray like this. He wasn't saying pray like this every time. He was using it as an example of the kind of things to cover when we come into God's presence to pray. But before that, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, listen to what Jesus says. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus says, when you go away to be alone in the secret place with the Father, make sure and do one thing before you go in. Shut the door. What? How does that help me understand what it looks like to dwell in the presence of the Lord? I remember the first time the Lord gave me this revelation. Matthew 6 is my favorite chapter in the Bible because I believe it's one of the most romantic chapters in the entire Bible. And we were created for romance with the Father, to be romanced by the Father and to romance the heart of the Father. We were not created to be religious robots who merely repeat things over and over and over. I remember one day the Lord said, Preston, what's the last thing you hear Holly say? before the two of you come to experience the most intimate physical act I have given the two of you to experience together? What's the last thing, the last words usually uttered in your bedroom? And I started laughing. I was being a little sarcastic because I, I thought for sure this was not right. <laughs> I said, usually she says, hey, babe, can you shut the door? And I was just kind of being silly. And I felt the Lord go, mm-hmm. And why does she say that? Before I could answer, I had to sense the Lord say, son, it's because what's about to happen on the other side of that door is so raw and so intimate and so passionate and so romantic that not even your own flesh and blood are allowed to see it. Preston, if you want to know what this time of dwelling in the presence of the Lord in this secret place here in this room Alone with God, if you want to know what it looks like, just know every time you come in, the first thing you'll hear him say is, hey, son, can you shut the door? Because what's about to happen on this side of that door, so raw, and so intimate, and so passionate, and so romantic, that no one else in your house can get in on this moment. It's just you and me. Shut the door. And I know in this message, 
we've covered four things that probably for many of us probably fall into the inconsistent category more than they should. I don't want you to beat yourself up. This message is not designed for you to beat yourself up with it. This message was designed by God to build you up. So that if there's any of these areas where you're living inconsistently, it's okay. Start now. You were created to build your life around these spiritual pillars. And if things aren't going the way you thought, start with these things on this list. Am I out of balance? Am I inconsistent? I can't expect things to go the way God said they would go if I'm not doing what God first told me to do. We were created. We make spiritual pillars like these the bedrock of our lives here on this earth. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.